You're listening to You've Been Hanged, hosted by Hank Griffin, writer, man of faith, Parkinson's warrior, traveling man, and storyteller. Wonderful stories, home cooking, thoughtful lessons, and candor about life with Parkinson's are his to share. Relax for the next several minutes with your friend, neighbor, and brother who loves you. Tim Alive is my double brother. He's my brother in the gospel and my brother in masonry. My only regret where that good man is concerned is I never met him. My wife, dearest love, knew him. Some years ago, she served an honorable mission after having converted to the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. When the mission call came, she found that she was to serve in Southern California Then, just as is the case now, the cost of living in that part of the United States was very high. Indeed, the cost for housing was such that the missionaries just couldn't afford it. The mission president, recognizing the severity of the problem, approached the wards in his mission, now that's to say the congregations in his mission, and announced that no congregation or ward would be assigned missionaries unless they housed them. Mormon congregations love the missionaries. Most of those wards figured out how to make it happen. Like other families in that part of the world, the Olive family decided to open their home to a missionary companionship at a much lower than usual cost for rent. The Olives were good people and a lovely family. Tim and Becky had four sons. Becky's father lived with them. The house was full of people, full of love, full of faith. And with the addition of two sister missionaries, maybe just a little over full. Dearest Love was one of the missionaries that resided in the Alive home during her missionary service. She often tells stories of her time in the mission field, good stories, wonderful stories. Among the happiest of them are those that fall within the period of time she lived with the Alive family. Brother Alive was born in Tonga. He was the youngest of several boys. All of Tim's brothers were giants of men standing at more than six foot five inches each. Tim, on the other hand, was but five foot eight. Like his brothers, he was immensely strong, but having suffered polio from very early childhood, his growth was adversely affected. As a boy in Tonga struggling with polio, there was not adequate medical services to properly treat and help him. Candidly, the cost for those services, had they been available, was beyond his family's means. In addition to being much shorter than his brothers, one of Tim's legs was shorter than the other. He wore special braces, special shoes, and walked with a limp. Despite his challenges, or perhaps in defiance of them, Tim worked hard. He had a good job at Boeing. He was a faithful Latter-day Saint who served a mission in Canada. He loved his family. Tim was also a Mason, and as a part of his Masonic path, a Shriner. Polio struck Tim very early in his childhood. As there was no adequate care or means with which to pay for care, his family sought help beyond their immediate community. When the local Masonic Lodge became aware of their needs, the Alive family was put in touch with the Shriners Hospital for Children in Hawaii. Young Tim was flown from Tonga to Hawaii, where he began his treatment at the Shriners Hospital. Tim's family was flown in to visit their son twice a year. However, they could not afford to remain there with him, neither could they afford to fly him back and forth. 
in order for Tim to receive the important medical care he desperately needed. He remained at the Shriners Hospital for Children in Hawaii year-round for many, many years. Dearest Love has often recounted to me that Becky, Tim's wife, confided in her, when Tim was little, new nurses would occasionally come work at the hospital. When they met Tim, they usually asked, where do you live? To which Tim always replied, I live here. No, no, I mean, where are you from? Where do you come from? Tim, having lived so long in the hospital and from such a young age, couldn't remember any other home and said, I come from here. This is my home. Young brother Olive received the best possible care for polio at the Shriners Hospital for Children. Not only did he receive excellent care, but he was treated kindly and with love by the doctors and nurses there. Though his family could not be there with him often or for very long, they were able to see him at least twice a year. The care he received, the many years of care, was provided to him and his family free of charge. The Olives were provided a means to travel back and forth and visit him, and given living accommodations while there at no cost. This is true for the many thousands of children who are treated each year at Masonic care centers all over the United States. The Shriners Hospitals, Clinics and Burn Centers for Children, the Scottish Rite Hospital, and Speech and Language Pathology Centers for Children, and the research funded by the York Rite are all examples of Masonic medical charities that provide millions of dollars every day to make the world better by treating children and making their lives and the lives of their families better. In time, young Tim grew up. With the help of the Shriners Hospital, he overcame polio and went on to be an able, productive, and hardworking man, husband, father, faithful Latter-day Saint, and enthusiastic Mason. He and his wife, Becky, opened their home to provide safe shelter to the Mormon missionaries so that his congregation could enjoy the blessings that come with having missionaries assigned to them. Tim, in the spirit of giving back, not only joined the Masonic Lodge, but went on to become a devoted Shriner. Dearest Love is often related to me, her surprise at seeing Brother Olive return from what she called one of those weird meetings he went to wearing his suit and a fez. I enjoy writing and talking about those various meeting places in mine and my family's everyday life at the intersections of our Latter-day Saint faith and Masonic fraternal experience. Dearest Love's experience with the Alive family is a particularly sweet one of those. Curiously, another fraternal brother and personal friend of mine related to me that when he was but a boy, his mother rented a room in their home to a pair of Latter-day Saint missionaries as well. My good friend has been a Mason for some 45 years. He is the right eminent grand commander of the York Rite Masonic body known as the Knights Templar. My fraternal brethren are very kind to me about my faith. They know it's important to me and seem to look for opportunities co to connect with me in some way. Very often I'm asked, Brother Hank, you're a Mormon, is that right? It is. Then I hear things like, my mother-in-law is a member of your church. I'd like to introduce y'all or my wife grew up as a Mormon, or though I'm not a member of your church, I have read the Book of Mormon, the Doctrine and Covenants, and the Pearl of Great Price. How do you like that? I'm going to tell you, I like it a lot. Each time someone seeks to connect with me in this very kind way, I can't help but find my heart warm towards them. Masonry is not a church. It's a fraternity. 
To be a Mason, one must be a man, must believe in a supreme being, and must seek membership of his own free will. Religion is important in Masonry, as no atheist is knowingly admitted. Each lodge has a holy Bible on its altar. Masonry is a respecter of religion, but we do not discuss secular religion or politics within our lodges, as there is no surer or faster way to, to divide men. Given this, the eagerness I see in my brethren to make these kinds of connections with me cannot be anything less than heartwarming. It demonstrates a generosity of spirit that is worthy of them, and that I hope they see me reciprocating. When I was a young mason back in beautiful East Texas, trademark, I was impressed with the shrine. I knew even then that there was much good being done in the world as a result of the efforts of those good men. When I joined the Sharon Shrine Center there in beautiful, I had little interest in the various clubs, but found purpose in participating in the monthly blood drive. Each month, we hosted the American Red Cross's blood bus in a particular parking lot for several hours. All the Masonic lodges in the region turned out in number to support the effort. The brothers, their wives, families, friends, and neighbors came to donate blood. The members of the local shrine worked to prepare fresh hamburgers, cheeseburgers, hot dogs, sausages, chips, fresh vegetables, buns, toasted or untoasted, and cold soda waters free of charge for the benefit of all who supported that laudable endeavor. My goodness, at the blood we collected there every month, barrels and barrels of blood. All of it was provided for use by the Shriners Hospital in Shreveport, Louisiana, which was the nearest Shriners Hospital to us there in Beautiful. There are endless opportunities to do good in the world. Likewise, there are countless men and women willing to do their individual parts. There are two places I see this most often, in houses of faith and worship and in my fraternal activity. I don't mean to say that these things only happen in the Latter-day Saint faith. No, goodness no. Men and women of every faith are doing so much good in the world. It gives me joy to be a witness to it. Some years ago, when serving as the executive secretary to the state president of the Washington, D.C. stake of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, we had a general authority of the church visit and give a special instruction. He observed to us gathered there that there was a time we wanted to convert everyone to the church. Now we see the importance of encouraging men and women everywhere to be faithful members of their various churches, no matter what that church is or where it may be. We see how critical it is that men and women of faith be active in their faith for the sake of society and the sake of the world. I don't need my family, friends, or neighbors to be of my faith. I'm glad simply to find myself in the company of men and women of any faith, whether great or small, whether a spark or an inferno of the world is made better as a consequence of those men and women exercising their faith for the benefit of those around them. Likewise, the world's made better by those actively engaged in good works. No group, organization, religion, or charity has the market cornered on good works. There is so much good to be found if we're willing to recognize it in others. I can't help but think there are far greater opportunities to increase the scope of these if we look for occasions to join together to make the world around us better by combining our efforts and resources. Some of you listening to this podcast have been very generous in partnering with me in the past to make the world better. I hope you know how I appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you. 
I hope that there will be future opportunities to do likewise at the intersection of faith and fraternity, wherever that may be for you. For me, that wonderful intersection is found where Freemasonry crosses paths with the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I think the same must have been true for Brother Tim Olive. I wish I could have known him. Sadly, Tim died several years ago. Thankfully, not before my bride was able to experience his kindness and that of his family firsthand. She got to see that good Mormons could also be good Masons and vice versa. To my eternal joy and gratitude, she went on to marry just such a man. Much love. Hank, you've been Hank. Thanks for listening to You've Been Hanked. If you enjoyed today's episode, do us a favor. Like, share, subscribe, and comment. It's easy and really makes a difference. Please help Hank help others by increasing the reach of You've Been Hanked.